pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny, episode 149. Today I'm going to chat with Nikki, aka Liberty Doll, talk about the Washington, D.C. lawsuit against Palmer 80, discuss the new CCI Clean 22 ammunition, and reflect on a Kansas man's request to use trial by combat to settle a custody dispute. I am your host, Ava Flannell, and Nikki, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Good. I'm glad. I guess I didn't realize how soon after working out that I scheduled you to be on the show because <laughs> I just ran home. So I worked out, then I ran home. I was starving. So I ate a bunch of little Debbie snacks, which totally defeats the purpose <laughs> of working out. And yeah, this is my life. This is why lately I'm, why can't I lose this COVID six pounds that I gained? And that's probably why I think I just need to get to a point where I just don't buy this stuff and I don't have it in my house, but mm-hmm. oh, it's so hard. But, it's yeah. a lot easier if you develop a gluten allergy. Man, Trust me. Can you? Is there a way? Can I catch that? Is it contagious? <laughs> I mean, sort of. My <laughs> husband actually has celiac, and so we like got rid of it out of the house. And I mm-hmm. went so long without eating it that, like, two years later, I ate a crouton, and I thought I had food poisoning. I actually, so yes, the, you the you can thing. you can catch it technically. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I think the same thing goes with dairy because I think as you become more of an adult, you consume less dairy, mm-hmm. and so as a result, you kind of make yourself lactose intolerant. But I remember I gave up meat for like a year, and then I ate a cheeseburger, and I was so freaking sick, and I was wow, the cheeseburger must have been bad or something. I don't know. And then I had another meat related product and I was so sick, so I had to wean myself back into eating meat. It's crazy how your body just gets used to that. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so <laughs> Manicor Arms, if you guys have an AR and it's lacking a sling QD mount where you want them, highly recommend Manicor Arms. They came out with a great solution. The QD sling mount provides a simple yet very durable mounting point for QD pockets on any Picatinny rail, and it allows for mounting QD sling swivels in three different positions. They're on the website for only $25.95, but if you use that code GUNFUNNY15, you will get 15% off, and that is at manicorearms.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. start off, I just want you to know that a lot of my listeners and patrons, they requested that you be on. So they follow your YouTube channel. Oh, cool. Yeah, they're big fans. And (laughs) Thanks, guys. Yeah. (laughs) But for those who don't know, they're not familiar with you, can you just tell us a little bit about what Liberty Doll is and what is that you do in the industry? Well, I guess that's sort of a a complex story or, or explanation. So I basically, I have a YouTube channel. And I talk about all kinds of liberty-related issues, but one of the ones that is closest to my heart and that I somehow am known for the most is Second Amendment issues. Um, I live in the state of Massachusetts, so my journey to even get a gun license was a long and complicated one. And the laws here are just insane, and, and they pass them sometimes overnight, through an op-ed in the local newspaper. The the attorney general actually did that one July. I think it was 2016, maybe. The attorney general, Maura Healy, effectively banned an entire 
class of rifles by writing an op-ed in the Boston newspaper, and it was fabulous. And so there wow. were things like that. They they tack gun tr- control bills onto the budget bills and all kinds of stuff here, and it just was so crazy that I was like, oh my god, like people need to know about this. And yeah. then there was crazy laws happening in other states and on a national level and all this. So that's what I do as far as Second Amendment issues. And lately I've been talking, it's forbidden, the forbidden B word that is now hashtag CNN. So everyone knows on social media, we're we're switching to pink shirts and CNN. Um, I've been talking a lot about that, the events in Virginia over uh, in November through January. So a host of different issues, I suppose. <laughs> Very nice. I really love that you do talk about it because I think that even as kids, we were always taught not to talk about money, politics, religion. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people really don't talk about politics or they don't, I don't think that they inform themselves well enough to repeat what whatever material they're consuming. Mm-hmm. And the way that you explain it, you kind of not to say you explain it in, in layman terms, but you kind of do to an extent so that the average person can understand exactly what these laws are and what these politicians are doing. Yeah, I, I try. Because if the average person would sit there and read a 30-page law, for example, and, and understand all of it, then a lot of these laws probably wouldn't have been put into place in mm-hmm. a lot of these places. You know, a perfect example is I-1639, I believe. It was in Washington State. I mean, a lot of gun control laws are completely misrepresented to the public, but that one especially, and then you go in and you read it and you're like, oh my God, this is insane but your average voter is probably not going to pull up a law and sit there and read it cover to cover and do Googling and and figure out what some of the independent words and clauses and stuff mean. Sometimes I have to go to Amoland or guns.com or something to help me decipher it, but I I sit there and read through everything and sometimes it's awful. (laughs) Oh, I can just imagine. Just the verbiage and stuff. It's just, yeah, it's complicated. It is. I worked in the legal department when I lived in New York for the New York Yankees. And I thought I wanted to be a lawyer until I was faced with proofreading all of these contracts, legal agreements. And I was just, forget this. I can't even. Every day, I just wanted to go home and drink. (laughs) (laughs) It was bad. So where did you come up with the name Liberty Doll? Well, I've always sort of been into like 40s and 50s music and the fashion and the old timey cars. I know nothing about cars, but I can tell you that my dream car is a 57 Chevy Bel Air hardtop (laughs) in turquoise blue. I can tell you that. (laughs) Or a 59 Cadillac. But anyways... And I, I've always loved that stuff. And it seemed, I don't know, it seemed sort of pinuppy and 50s. Mm-hmm. And when I started my page, because I started out as a Facebook page, because there are so many people that don't talk about politics and, and gun rights. And my people on my personal Facebook page were not a fan. So I was like, all right, let me start a separate thing. It was my husband's idea, oddly enough, but the name, it seemed sort of old timey. And at the time there was a lot of those Facebook pages like uh, Libertarian Girl and it was just a time where there was a lot of Facebook pages about politics. And I started out as a liberal, unfortunately. Oh and then boy. I discovered guns and you said that politics. On the show. 
I mean, they, they know my followers know. Um, okay. I, well, I, before we started the show, you're like, can I curse? And I was like, Oh yeah, totally. But you had to say the L word. Come on. No, I know. <laughs> I know it's the, the forbidden word. <laughs> Now I'm going to be excommunicated, but I started out as a liberal and then I discovered, I started to actually understand economics and politics and gun mm-hmm. rights and all of those things. And you, you can't be a leftist after you learn about those things. It's just mm-hmm. impossible if you're actually going to follow your principles and basic knowledge and intelligence. Yeah. So I started out as like a constitutional conservative, but I had a feeling, I was like, you know what? my politics and my views might change and evolve over time. So I didn't want to call myself constitutional girl or conservative girl. And that was a good thing because I ended up a small L libertarian to the point that even the party members think that I'm a radical. So I'm glad I went with the word liberty. (laughs) I felt that it was a nice umbrella term that could encompass a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I found that using a word like liberty is a good way to reach a broad audience. I spoke at Pork Best this past weekend. And one of the things that I said is that when you look on the spectrum, anyone from a moderate all the way to libertarians and voluntarists and anarcho-capitalists and all those people, everyone has a different definition of what freedom looks like. But one of the common threads is the idea of liberty and gun ownership. And Uh so I want to ride that common thread, I suppose. Yeah, that's excellent. And for those who haven't seen you, you have a very cute pinup style look. You always have like a flower in your hair and the glasses and yeah, it's a very unique and cute look and it definitely kind of separates you from a lot of the other people within the industry. Thanks. And believe it or not, that is not a shtick or a gimmick. I have been dressing like that since approximately 2008, 2006 maybe. Wow. (laughs) That's pretty cool. You went from Facebook, then you had a blog, then you were a guest on a few podcasts, and then you moved on to YouTube. For one, what made you want to make that transition? And how's the journey been kind of morphing your channel over the years? Well, it's been an interesting one. So I had already mentioned, and like you said, started with a Facebook page. And I have always loved to write, but I suppose I was really practical in that, like, oh, well, I can't, you know, most people can't make a career off that. So I Mm -hmm. went and did other things, but I was like, all right, well, I like to write so I can start a blog. So I had the Facebook page and then I had the blog. And then eventually I just had a lot of people sending me messages and emails saying like, wow, I like your blog, but I don't really want to read. And I would much rather listen or watch a video. And I was really, really resistant to that at first because I was like, well, that that feels lazy. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that it's not. And it's a lot more, way more work than sitting and writing a blog. Oh, but, yeah. You know, I, I did a YouTube channel and I uploaded a couple of videos like once a year kind of thing. And I was like, there is no way that I would ever have enough to say to do any kind of regular uploads. And then, yes, I was a guest on some podcasts. And then eventually at one point, a couple of folks with the Gary Johnson campaign or, or were that were involved in, in some of the groups supporting his campaign asked me to be a guest host. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll do that. 
I ended up taking it really a lot more seriously mm -hmm. than uh, some of the other people on it. And that disbanded quickly, but I was like, wow, okay, if I can do that every week, then I can probably do YouTube videos every week. Then I started out and I was a lot better than now with uploading and I started doing two shows every week or two videos and I divided them up to Liberty Update, which was just general like Liberty related stuff and 2A Today, which was the gun rights stuff because I liked the alliteration. <laughs> hmm. um, and so I would do those every week. But, and I originally sort of envisioned it as the old weekend update on Saturday Night Live. And I sort of modeled myself after that. But then eventually I was like, oh man, like I want to be able to say more than like 30 seconds about a story. And eventually as it got more and more involved, my videos got more and more complex and with working full time, it became impossible to do multiple videos a week. Then I started, so I, I'm a mental health therapist and I started having clients stumbling onto my channel. Luckily, it's gone okay so far. And the ones that have very, very, very different views were smart enough to not actually watch the videos that mm -hmm. popped up in their suggested videos list. So that ended up being okay. But I was like, all right, as long as I'm in Massachusetts, I cannot have the therapy practice the way that it is and YouTube the way that it is. And then I was on the Tom Woods show and Tom Woods is, I don't really say that I have heroes, but he is definitely like up there in someone that I respect and admire. And he was like, oh, well, you should be doing this full time. And I was like, all right, maybe I should be doing this full time. And then COVID happened and my practice went from like 35 clients a week down to 10 or 15. And it was like, oh, I guess I have the time to do more videos now. So I started, I try to do two a week. It doesn't always work out, but I also have a regularly scheduled live stream on Fridays that people really love for some reason. And yeah, it's been quite the journey. And as I go, my videos get more and more complicated and more and more involved and proves that I really need to find an editor, but that'll have to be something, I guess, for after Massachusetts reopens. <laughs> yeah. So right now everything is closed down for the most part, other than I would assume the necessities. Yeah, pretty much. So we have been closed since the beginning of March and they just opened indoor dining, I think, last week. But you still have to like wear a mask inside and be six feet apart. And it's nuts here. Like, for, So even if I wanted to see someone in person in my therapy office, I have to write up a plan, a COVID control plan, and huh. send it into the government and get government like state approval and attest to the Department of Health that I'm seeing people in person because it's medically necessary. All this crazy, crazy stuff. It's insane here. Ugh. Massachusetts just went full tyrannical commie. And, I can uh, imagine. Yeah, so we're actually in the middle of forming an escape plan. <laughs> That's good. Do you know where you're going to move? South Carolina. Okay, good. Yes. That's awesome. So that kind of brings me to my next question. When did you get into firearms? Because are you born and raised in Massachusetts? Yes. Or? I was born and raised in Massachusetts and I went to college and to grad school. So I have had plenty of 
democratic indoctrination, <laughs> which is why I was a liberal for the first Obama election, unfortunately. So yeah, born and raised in Massachusetts. My family was not really political. They were Democrats because everybody else is, is Democrats in mm-hmm. the area. And then it's sort of cliche, but I moved to Boston for grad school and I met a guy and he was like, oh, you're a liberal feminist. Well, have you heard about Ron Paul? <laughs> and he gave me some books and I was reading, you know, back back then, like it's sort of a rite of passage for liberals who become conservatives and then eventually libertarians back then it was a rite of passage that you would listen to alex jones and then lie awake in your bed at night worrying about what the government was doing Mm -hmm. so that was a phase that i went through for a while and at the the same time i was doing in-home community mental health because that's basically what you have to start off with when you are new into the field because it's the bottom of the barrel that no one wants to do, especially in this area, because it's super dangerous. So I was going into the projects in a lot of the like dangerous urban areas. And I had clients that were bloods and crips and drug dealers and all of these things. And they had guns. So it was like, wow, well, if I'm going to be in these areas, I should probably have a gun too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was that while also learning about the horrors of big government and all the crazy things that the government was doing. And I was like, yeah, I need to be able to protect myself, both against criminals and government government. criminals. (laughs) (laughs) Basically the same thing. It's all just one big gang. Yeah. (laughs) When did you fire your first gun? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Where's my Where's my wallet? How old is my license? Um, <laughs> golly, I'm not sure. It would have been after 2015, so I'm gonna guess probably 2011, maybe. Yeah, that's that's what I'm gonna guess, and that was. There's only, I think, two public ranges in the state of Massachusetts. There was a third and it got shut down because guns are really hard to access. And sometimes people get really sad and depressed and go to public ranges Mm -hmm. and rent a gun and bad things happen. Yeah. That's happened it happened it's, once at a public range and then it happened at the public range that I went to, unfortunately. But yeah, we went to a public range and we're like, okay, well, we want to try this and, and see what we like. And yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I really like your story that you went from, cause it's actually very similar to mine. And I wasn't really much of a liberal, but I did go to an all women's college my freshman year Mm. and then kind of was kind of not anti-gun, but I just didn't really care for them. And I kind of Mm -hmm. agreed with a lot of the gun control and, and then you get older, you get smarter, hopefully some of us do. And, (laughs) and then you fire your first gun or you even living alone, you're like, okay, what am I going to use to protect myself? So it's kind of common sense takes over and you're like, well, wait a minute, I do need a gun and the bad guys have guns and I don't have a gun. And what am I going to use? Especially as a female, there's nothing else out there that is going to give you a chance of survival. I can't think of anything else that you could possibly use other than firepower. And before I got into guns, or at least before I fired one and, and had my license and all of that, 
I was living in a really, really bad neighborhood south of Boston. I didn't realize how bad it was until I moved there and said, fuck. But uh, in like the 10 months that I lived there, I was in a rooming house because I was a poor graduate student and I rented a room and there were three floors and four people per floor. So there were 12, let's see. Oh no, there were five people per floor. So there were 15 of us. And in that like 10 months or whatever that I lived there, I was the only person that did not get mugged in that building in that time. And I mean, I was working downtown Boston and had to take the last subway home and like the train, you know, the tea would come in and I'd have to walk home from the tea station. Those Bloods and Crips I I mentioned earlier said it was because I walk like I'm from the ghetto. And I am originally (laughs) from Springfield, Massachusetts. So I guess that's the one good thing that that it was uh, this little... (laughs) I don't get it. Like, how do you walk like you're from the ghetto? (laughs) Um, well, uh, you kind of just like you walk with like purpose, sort of. I guess so. Attitude, and I don't know. When you do not look anyone in the eye, is the number one rule. You do not meet eyes with anyone, (laughs) you just don't do it. That's how you're getting in a a fight. But, uh, and it was scary. And all I had was, bless her heart, my nana, when she found out I was moving to the big city of Boston for Christmas, she gave me, it was this thing called a tiger light. And it was basically like a handheld like flashlight and like pepper spray thing. Mm-hmm. Totally illegal in Massachusetts, but she was from New Hampshire and didn't know that. And so she gave me that for Christmas. And that was like <laughs> all that I had. And I would be like walking home with my hand in my purse, like gripping it and being like, oh my God, I hope this works. Right. I can't even. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's crazy. I'm going to take a quick break to talk about SB Tactical real quick. Mm-hmm. I was looking on their website and I found an accessory that I haven't seen before. It's the LOPL, which stands for Length of Pull Limiter Plug. And it's an accessory that installs on the buffer tube to restrict the length of pull when using the SBA3 or the SBA4. And it's like, it's a really great accessory, especially if your optimal length of pull is less than fully extended as it allows quick extension and your desired length. The kit includes four LOPL plugs, which installs on the carbine buffer tubes, and it's only $8.99. And if you use the code GUNFENNY15, you will get 15% off. And that is at sb-tactical.com. What was the procedure that you had to go through in order to get a gun? And and then I'm assuming that you don't have your concealed carry license, correct? I do. I oh, do have do. my concealed carry license. Yeah. So in Massachusetts, first you need to go through a certified NRA course that you learn like gun safety and things like that. And you're, you're supposed to also go through a test where you like fire a firearm and, and all of that. Back when I did it, there were actually people that would come to your house and would do it and like show you the, the safety rules and let you touch rifles and pistols and things like that, but not make you fire it. That has since become illegal. <laughs> Luckily it was, I did it before it became illegal. So you have to do the NRA safety course. You have to pass it. You have to get a certificate. Then you need to call up your local police department 
and tell them, and now I think the applications are available online, but it used to be you had to call up the police department and say, look, I want to apply for my license to carry. And then you had to make an appointment to go and get the application, bring it home, fill it out. Then you had to make another appointment to go in and get fingerprinted and be interviewed by the state police. And it's actually the state police here that decide whether or not you can get your license. And Massachusetts is, I believe it's a May issue state. Yeah, so, that's what I was just going to say. Yes, it's a May issue state. So even if you pass all of the qualifications, you don't have a criminal record, you've never been hospitalized for mental health issues, that still doesn't mean that you'll get your license because the police chief, for whatever reason, can just be like, F you and not yeah. do it. And in fact, the local gun rights organization, the Gun Owners Action League, they actually have a website in conjunction, I believe, with Northeast Shooters where they take all the towns in Massachusetts and they break it down into whether it's green, yellow, red, or black. So in green towns, if you pass the qualifications, the cops actually do their job and say, yes, okay, you can have your license. Yellow towns are usually restricted. Red towns, it's very, very rare for you to get approved. And black towns, they never approve it ever. And in fact, Quincy, for example, had gone so many years without approving a single license to carry that a lawsuit was filed against the chief of police there. But there are still towns that just will not give licenses. Luckily, we live in the only red quote unquote county in Massachusetts right now. So we didn't we didn't have much trouble, but there's all kinds of crazy restrictions on it as well. They passed a law, oh let's see, it was the late nineties, I believe, that if you have a juvenile record, for example, mm-hmm. even though you were a juvenile, if whatever crime it was could have been punishable by up to a year in prison if you were an adult then you can't get your license. Wow. And it's things like, you know, I know someone who was like 13 and like hit someone with like a uh, homemade slingshot Mm -hmm. and got arrested for it and they can never get a license. And then you, so you can petition the courts to reopen the case and hire a firearms lawyer and try to get the case dismissed or like retried. But usually you just get laughed out of court. And actually, Mm -hmm. when they passed that rule, there were a lot of cops that lost their licenses. (laughs) Wow. Locally. so That's insane. Yeah. It almost just sounds like another country compared to Colorado. And they're definitely starting to crack down a little bit. I know in 2013, they passed the, you can't own a magazine that exceeds 15 rounds, which nobody is enforcing. But... For the most part, go to a gun store, you pick out a gun, and most of the time, up until all this COVID and riots happened, you could leave with the gun within, I don't know, 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's just, it's so crazy how it varies from state to state. Yes. Well, and, and Massachusetts also, well, the first thing that Massachusetts did when COVID hit was a bunch of towns actually suspended their gun permitting process. And another issue in Massachusetts that is a big one is we have a permanent assault weapons ban. And some of the things you used to be able to get, like you used to be able to get 30 round magazines or Glocks or or whatever, if they were pre-1993, so Mm pre-ban, 
So mm-hmm. everything here that is technically legal is like old as shit, which it doesn't always matter. But <laughs> and there's also certain things that are law enforcement only and all of this. And then in 2016, Maura Healy, she's our attorney general. She has a list of approved firearms that are allowed to be sold in the state and also a secret list of banned firearms that no one is allowed to see. So every gun that is sold in the state of Massachusetts first has to be tested and approved by the attorney general. And so she did, she wrote an op-ed in July, I think it was 2016 that banned quote unquote copycat assault rifles, which so were, you know, assault <laughs> rifles and assault weapons, which, you know, we, we know that assault weapon is a made up term, yeah. but, you know, assault weapons that had one evil feature instead of two to get around the assault weapons ban were then banned. And it sucks because of this list and this secret list. When I first got my concealed carry license, there weren't a lot of things to choose from and I didn't know much. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'll start with a 380 because I'm confident that I could handle that. Now, mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh my God, I need a nine millimeter. But back then I was like 380. Okay. Mm-hmm. There were two guns, three, uh, no, two technically to choose from. There were revolvers and I didn't want to deal with that. And then my only two choices at the time that were legal in the state of Massachusetts were the Smith and Wesson bodyguard, which was atrocious Mm -hmm. and the six hour P238, which is what I ended up with, but only so the SIG 238 comes with different handles and grips on it. Mm -hmm. And it was only the Rosewood handle that (laughs) was legal in Massachusetts. And that's not what I ended up with, (laughs) but it, it, and because of that, it sucks. You know, I feel dumb sometimes when I come on shows like this, cause they're like, Oh, well, what's your favorite tactical gear? And I, don't know anything about tactical <laughs> gear because there's nothing allowed here. So, wow. you know, I, I don't know about people are like, Oh, well, what do you think about Springfield XD series? And I'm like, well, let me go Google Springfield XD series <laughs> because it's not legal here. And so I know nothing about it. So I never know anything about different makes and models and gun parts and blah, blah, blah. Because I, I mean, I can tell you that, Glocks are illegal here because they don't have a loaded chamber indicator. And so you can get Gen 1, 2, and 3, sort of. And then anything after that is strictly considered illegal. And sometimes you can still find it at a shop. But then the other gun shops find out about it and they squeal on each other to get a monopoly on the business. So I can tell you all about that stuff. And I can tell you all about the laws. I cannot tell you anything about gun parts and you know trigger poundage or any of that because that's just not ever even part of the conversation here and all i keep thinking is your entire world's going to change when you move to south carolina Mm -hmm. and you can get your hands on all these things and rent the guns or just it's i'm actually i feel like you should like record a youtube video just your first time (laughs) out of massachusetts and you're in a free state probably whatever you want uh, I have some pictures that I had posted way back on Facebook of me holding like uh, an NAR. It's actually like an M&P sport. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh my God, what's wrong with it? That's too big <laughs> for you and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, because it's got a, a pinned stock and yeah. it is factory pinned and you can't really, I mean, you could get it adjusted, but it's something you have to pay for. And it's a pain in the ass. And like, well, yes, you know, there's no dust cover on it because that made it 
you know, not having the dust cover made it only like $900 instead of $1,400. It's like, you got to do what you got to do. I know. Steering away from that topic, I want to go back to what you do for a living, which is mental health worker. Mm -hmm. I know that this is an issue that rarely gets the attention it deserves, especially when considered in relation to firearms. Yeah. For one, to start off, what kind of mental health work do you do? So I am a licensed mental health counselor. So I'm a psychotherapist and I have my own private practice. Okay. So I can't help but think you're already judging me. You're like, okay, well, this girl needs <laughs> I, I get that a lot. I either get that or I get accused of being a government PSYOP agent. Oh, gosh. And while I am pretty sure I'm on at least half a dozen government lists, none of them are payroll. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's get down to the real question. Can you prescribe meds? Like no. the good stuff? Okay. All right. No. I was just only asking psychiatrists- for a Only psychiatrists can do that. And I would never, I don't even recommend medications almost ever. Yeah, no, I I understand. And I was just asking for a friend anyway. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what are some of the things that you think we really need to do in order to address mental health issues in America rather than the usual knee jerk reaction of more gun control laws? Oh, wow. Well, first of all, red flag laws don't do crap, number mm-hmm. one. That was actually a big section of my talk at Porkfest because red flag laws already exist, really. Every state has mandated reporting for mental health workers. So if you were my client and you came in and you told me that you were suicidal first, I'd be like, okay, well, how serious are you? And mm-hmm. if you're serious, well, okay, we need to get you evaluated. And if you get evaluated and you're suicidal, you're going to the hospital and then you're automatically a prohibited person. Mm-hmm. Every state, well, 48 states also have something called Tarasoff. The remaining two have their own version of it. And Tarasoff is, it's your duty to warn and duty to protect laws that were basically decided by a California Supreme Court decision in the 1970s and then ended up being generalized to all the other states. And those rules say that if you come into my office and you're my client and you're like, you know, hey, I I really want to go kill Billy Joe Bob. Well, okay, I have to determine if you're serious and if you have the means to do it. And then I have to try to get information from you about Billy Joe Bob discreetly so that then I can call the police and be like, okay, this person is threatening to kill Billy Joe Bob. And then then I have to go alert Billy Joe Bob myself and again, get you to the hospital to be evaluated and then hospitalized. And then again, you become a prohibited person. So wow. red flag laws pretty much already exist. Yeah. Except that because you are a someone in the health field and you are violating HIPAA, to enact this, you have to have really good evidence and a really good reason to do it. That is not the case with red flag laws. In most states, anyone can file one. There's no due process. People aren't told of their rights. If you can't afford attorney, you're not given one, except for in the state of Colorado. You guys are the only one that has that in your red flag law that people can get an attorney. So, I mean, we need to, we need to stop voting in these red flag laws, number one. Number two, it's tough because my libertarian self says that government is never the answer and it's not. But at the same time, we also need more access to mental health care. And the reason that access to mental health care is so poor is because of the government. Uh, There was the deinstitutionalization in the 60s. It started with Kennedy, where he disbanded 
like tons and tons of mental health hospitals. And, you know, at the time that was because there was a lot of abuse that happened in them. But now we're in a position where Massachusetts, for example, only has 638 mental health beds. There was actually a local hospital that just got condemned and lost like 68 beds because of random flooding that happened on Sunday. So, you know, there are people that when there is something going on and they are in crisis, there's no place for them to go. And Mm -hmm. the states were supposed to build community mental health centers to replace the hospitals that were closed. So that would be a center that you would go for inpatient, outpatient, partial hospitalization groups, meds, crisis, everything, A to Z. And those never got built. Massachusetts built, I think, two of them. I interned at one of them when I was at grad school. So we need more access to mental health care. And I mean, unfortunately, in today's system, the only way that we're going to get it is by government saying, okay, you can have mental health care or getting out of the damn way. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, there's actually all these rules that my designation as a licensed mental health counselor, I cannot see anyone on Medicare. I cannot work at the VA. I can't do anything. Social workers can, even though they get a lot less training than we do and don't know crap. They're like, we're like, we're nemeses, nemeses, <laughs> we are arch nemeses, the, the counselors and the, the social workers, but some of them are good, but a, a lot of them are not. Yeah. And everyone says that, you know, oh, well, guns kill people, but, and they like to bring up mass shootings and mass shootings are a complicated one because the average person that has a mental health issue, like depression or anxiety is more likely to be a victim than a criminal and they're not any more violent than your average person. But then we have our mass shooters. And I say that that's a mental health issue in the way that no one would ever argue that Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer were perfect pictures of good mental health. (laughs) And if you look at the profiles that they're developing of mass shooters, they are very similar to your profiles for serial killers. So I think it's just the new spree killer, basically. I think it's, you know, a a new coat on the same animal kind of thing. But another thing that all these guys had in common is they're from areas that had poor access to mental health care. And they were known to the mental health system and, and law enforcement. And like, no one did anything. They never got these guys the help that they need. And they have a history of childhood trauma. So I think better access to mental health care but like the number one thing that i think is like we need better parenting Mm -hmm. because that's where a lot of this starts you know kids that that grow up in broken homes or you know parents with substance abuse issues or whatever i mean they those early relationships and early experiences are what shape the way that they're going to view the world and the people in it for the rest of their life. And so we need to be better to our children and maybe even ideally not put them in public government schools. Don't feed them ADHD meds and things like that. We need to be better to our children and for our children. If we want to see changes in, in mental health, Ending the drug war would help too. Yeah. (laughs) I would agree with that though, with the parenting, because in Colorado, it seems within the last couple of years, all of the crime, even killings and stuff have all been with kids under 25 and younger, but typically Mm -hmm. they're under 18. 
And it's just what is going on where all these kids are, it's not even small crimes like theft or whatever, stealing a car. It's they've shot each other. It's just, it's insane. Well, a a lot of, of that comes in too with, you know, gang violence and the drug war and all of that, because all this stuff that's on the black market, I mean, people fight over that before pot was legalized in, in Massachusetts. I mean, you had guys, I had, I had a client once I had gone to jail because he went after somebody with an AK-47 over the pot stash, you know, when, when, (laughs) when your livelihood is drugs and your territory, I mean, you, you will fight to keep that because it is life or death in places like, you know, Chicago, Roxbury, Dorchester, Brockton, those are, you know, Massachusetts places, but you know, like Compton, like wherever, I mean, it is life or death. So, I mean, if we, got rid of the drug war that would stop a lot of these violent crimes among young people too i think yeah i agree okay changing topic again so what are your thoughts <laughs> on the current political climate especially uh, with the imposed restrictions due to covid uh, well, and then followed by the law enforcement and the riots and all that stuff well i'm gonna be real with you when when covid hit i was a little anxious for like a couple of weeks and Mm -hmm. then you know some more information came out and i continued to go outside Mm -hmm. and go disc golfing and secretly met up with some friends to go disc golfing or have (laughs) a birthday party or whatever else But I mean, I'm in a situation, I'm young, I am healthy, I don't have any pre-existing conditions except for like seasonal allergies. The oldest person I come into contact with on a regular basis is my husband, who is outside with me. So I mean, I'm I'm not at any particular risk. And I, this past weekend, I spoke at an event in New Hampshire called Pork Fest, and I thought there was only about 400 people. Turns out there was a 1,000 that attended this event, and it was outdoors, and people were camping, but practically no one was wearing masks, and Mm -hmm. I hugged people and shook hands, and some people were like, oh my god, that's awful, but it was informed Uh consent. People were told to enter at their own risks. And if you really wanted to social distance, you were given an orange bracelet so people could stay away from you. So I think while some of the measures might be a good idea for some people, you know, like, okay, we we know that the average median age, the median age of death from COVID is 80 years old and the national average life expectancy is 78. So people who are immunocompromised, are older, things like that, you know, probably should stay in their house Mm -hmm. for a while and have limited contact and do the masks and everything. But, you know, young people that don't have any risk, yeah, go out and about, you know, government can't tell you what to do. They shouldn't tell you what to do. I think that people are capable of making their own decisions. And up until this, we did not deal with pandemics or viruses by social distancing and and enforced quarantine in fact woodstock was held in the middle of a pandemic so (laughs) and percentage wise a lot more people died from that i believe that was the hong kong flu Mm -hmm. um a lot more people died during that than during covid so i think that the lockdowns are bunk and that people can make their own decisions as to whether they want to self-quarantine or not i think that it's extreme government overreach that is setting a dangerous dangerous precedent for things to come and especially in massachusetts that's why we are trying to flee before november 
so that we don't get caught in the second wave of lockdowns. And so we're definitely not here if there are any riots, if Trump wins. Yeah. And as far as like the riots and, and things and all the issues going on with police, as a libertarian, I've been talking out against police brutality since 2013. And the good thing that has come out of all of this is that there are record numbers of gun sales being made month after month for the Mm -hmm. entirety of 2020 through May. Through the end of May, there were 15.2 million NICS checks, according to the FBI, and 40% of those were for first-time gun owners, and 40% of that group were women. So we are looking at a new 6 million gun owners to the gun owner pool through May. And I think that that is pretty dang amazing. And hopefully, hopefully it will sway at least a little bit of public opinion in favor of more gun rights and more rights in general, as opposed to crazy big brother government. Mm -hmm. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. To kind of wrap things up, do you have any future plans other than obviously getting out of Massachusetts? Um, well, future plans. I've had a lot of people ask me about, oh, well, I'm afraid to talk to my therapist or my doctor or anyone in the mental health field about things that I'm experiencing because I don't want to get put on a list and have my guns taken away. Mm-hmm. That's really not how it works, but I understand the sentiment. And because of so many people that were sending me emails and things like that, I actually recently became a life coach. So I am offering life coaching services now that is different from counseling and therapy, but you know, it is geared towards helping people reach their goals and giving people someone that they can go to, to help reach those goals without worrying about their politics. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I'm doing. And yes, moving to South Carolina soon, hopefully. And then once I get down there, I don't know, I'll probably do more videos because it's going to be several months before I could get the therapy practice put together. I might even add an additional like call in live stream or something. I might even be able to do range videos because here the ranges, well, right now you can only go in one person at a time and they have never really allowed recording or anything. So that might be something I'll be able to do someday. Yeah, that's a lot to look forward to. And I think it's a (laughs) great idea to become a life coach because I think a lot of people just need that little push. Yeah, I'm really liking it so far. Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh boy. So you can go on Google, Twitter, Facebook, Minds, Library, that's L-B-R-Y, Gunstreamer, Full30, and BitChute. Any of those, you can go on there and just type in Liberty Doll in the search bar and you should be able to find me. I am most active on YouTube and Twitter just because I am a boomer in a millennial body. And if the technology (laughs) or platform is not automatically easy to use and intuitive, I'll never figure it out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where I am now. And I also have a website, which is www.thelibertydoll.com. The the is important because for some reason the Chinese own libertydoll.com. So you need the the. And I have some merch up there and different things there. So I'm, I am all over the internet. Oh, and Instagram. I'm on Instagram too. Perfect. <laughs> awesome, guys. So guys, if you want, go ahead and follow her on all the social media. Some of that social media that you mentioned, I have no idea, like BitChute. I'm going to have to check that out because 
apparently I'm missing out, but it sounds like I belong there. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving forward. IWI. I know I've talked about the new Zion family of AR-15s that they just launched, but I was also just recently looking at their pistol version. It's called the Z-15 Tech 12 and it's a great looking compact 5.56 AR pistol. Some of the features, 12 and a half inch barrel, 11 and a half inch free float handguard. It has that SB tactical SBA3 brace. It comes with the B5 grip and a 30 round PMAG magazine for Magpul. And it's also made in the US. IWI has a facility here in Middletown, Pennsylvania. So US made. MSRP is $899.99. Also, if you head on over to IWI.us and you find accessories that you like, you can get 15% off by using the code GUNFUNNY15. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Washington, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine's office filed a lawsuit against Palmer 80 for falsely claiming its firearms are legal in the district, failing to disclose that it's not licensed to sell firearms in the district and selling, quote unquote, firearms that violate numerous district gun control laws. Palmer 80, if you guys, by now you listen to the show, you're familiar with them. They're known for making their 80% lowers. They're not complete and you receive it, and you have a few tools, and you make some adjustments, and you basically create your own lower, and that's for pistols as well as AR lowers. The attorney general is blatantly ignoring the fact that 80% frames do not constitute firearms, and building firearms at home has always been legal. They are seeking a court order to stop the company from selling ghost guns to D.C. consumers, Palmer 80's quote-unquote ghost guns are reportedly tied to nine killings in D.C. and of the 250 untraceable guns recovered by the district law enforcement since 2017, 208 wore Palmer 80's. That's just because Palmer 80's pretty much the place to go for 80% lowers. To put this number in perspective, I researched how many guns are seized in connection with crimes in D.C. And this was kind of hard to find the data, but The data that I did find, so indicates well over 2,000 per year are seized on average. 250 Palmer 80s over three years is less than 4% of the firearms that have been taken. And so I would say it's hardly the epidemic of illegal ghost guns that they're making it out to be. I personally think that, you know, it's just another thing that they're over-dramatizing the statistics so that I don't think a lot of people are going to fight against this, but it's just one more thing in order for them to eliminate the Second Amendment. What are your thoughts, Nikki? Well, it reminds me a lot about, um, well, first of all, I think that 80% lowers are considered firearms in the state of Massachusetts. But I mean, this is a communist island onto itself. Mm-hmm. But it reminds me of, there was a video that I did a little, a couple years ago, where it was debunking a video that was done by Now This, that talked about the horrors, the horrors of gang members buying their guns over the border from Chicago <laughs> and Indiana at this cabin. Bellas. And it was funny because they talked about this, again, a huge epidemic of people going to Cabela's and, and whatever to go get their guns in Indiana. And then they come back to Chicago and do illegal, horrible things. And it was the same thing. It ended up being something like 1% of seized firearms 
came from like that Cabela's. Wow. <laughs> it's just, you know, something for them to latch on. It's virtue signaling to make people look like they're doing something mm-hmm. is what it is. And it's just another one of those laws that they're trying to pass where they are trying to redefine what a firearm is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because technically, like I said, it's actually, I think Palm Rady is less than 80% finished. So the rest you have to finish. So it's not considered a firearm. They're not, that's why it's not serialized because when you buy it, they can ship it directly to your house. You don't have to do a background check for it because it's technically not a firearm. Just taken out of the box, you are not going to be able to operate it as a firearm. No. There's things it's, that you have to do to of, it. It's a lump of polymer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. So we'll see how that case goes. Sharps Bros. So the Heat Seeker chassis is really just such an impressive design. It has sleek lines and the integrated free flow carbon fiber forend really complements the chassis shape. And it weighs less than two pounds. And then with the Howa Mini action, you're looking at a really lightweight precision gun that you could easily put in your backpack or something. It's not going to drag you down. And to top one of the Howa Mini actions is chambered in 300 blackout. So this makes it quite the ideal gun to suppress. If you guys want to check that out, it's at sharpsbros.com. Now it's time for Q&A. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. As always, guys, if you have any questions for me, just go on my website, gunfunny.com and click on the contact us form and submit your question. Today's question is the surge in gun sales in the last few months due to lockdown and the riots has brought millions of new first time gun owners to the firearms community. I know you have been running ragged training new gun owners every day during this time. Obviously only time will tell, but based on the interactions you've had with your students, what percentage of these new gun owners do you think will vote with the second amendment in mind going forward? And that's a really good question because obviously I only teach them typically one or two classes, so I'm not spending a ton of time, but a lot of students tend to tell me their whole life story or just starting off, I have everybody introduce themselves and just tell me how much experience they have. And a lot of them have admitted that they were anti-gun before this and they just kind of assume you don't need a gun. But then I think with the whole COVID thing, police officers were like, hey, if it's not a violent threat, they aren't going to answer calls. So there's just all kinds of things going on now with the riots. And so I think that that's obviously bolstered a lot of the gun sales. And as a result, we are getting a lot of new gun owners. And I think that, I don't know, I definitely think that it's going to have a positive outcome on the Second Amendment. Or who knows, maybe things might go back to normal. And then people are like, oh, you know what, second thought, I don't really need this gun and go back to their old habits. But I'd like to think that This is going to open people's eyes and make them realize that you're really in charge of your own safety. Also, just recently, so two days ago, actually, the guy was from Massachusetts and he, I was like, hey, now I remember. And he wanted a private class. I've been doing tons of private classes. If you guys are wondering how many classes I'm teaching a week, it's gone to pretty much about average five classes a week. So I'm a little exhausted running everything else, but. He wanted a private class and that's probably because he didn't want anybody to recognize him. That's my guess. Who knows? But he also didn't have any experience. So he just kind of wanted that one-on-one training, but it was kind of sad because well, for one, he bought the gun. 
he had it in a box. He didn't even touch it. He's like, I haven't even taken it out of the box. I didn't want to touch it, which is smart. It's kind of the responsible thing to do if you don't know what you're doing. And then he tells me that we were talking about him storing the gun and quick access versus long-term storage. And he is, well, I'm hiding this gun in my office because if my wife or daughters find out that Mm -hmm. I have a gun, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to lose their shit. And so for right now, I'm just hiding it. And you can't help but kind of feel bad. I don't know. I mean, maybe eventually. And he even said, eventually, maybe I'll get my daughter. I guess he has two daughters. One daughter is more like him. So maybe I'll get that daughter in for a class. But also when I was teaching him how to shoot and then we went on the range, he is, wow, this is actually really enjoyable. I could see myself really getting into this. This is just so much different than what I thought. And I don't know. I think that it does kind of open people's eyes a little bit. So I I know know that, uh, well, so it's funny that story because when I first got my license to carry, my mom wouldn't let me in her house because she's like, you can't bring that, that metal thing (laughs) in this house. But mom, it's rose gold. It's not, it's not (laughs) evil. (laughs) So I just stopped telling her that I had it. And then eventually I just stopped going to her house anyway. So it didn't really matter. But, uh, and it's funny, this guy with the, you know, hiding it in his office and you mentioning ease of access versus, you know, uh, long-term storage. So in Massachusetts, actually, if it's not on your person, it has to be locked up at all times, which is insane and not helpful for home defense. Yeah. But as far as people with new Second Amendment attitudes, I think I know personally at least two people who were previously anti-gun who said like, okay, after all of this is over, like you need to take me shooting and I need to go get my license, which is awesome. Yeah. But also I think that with the, the reactions to COVID, with all these people at the re the open things, the response to policing and and police not answering calls, walking off the job in Atlanta, all of these things, and then this rising tide in gun ownership. I think that's great, and there are people that are going to be more pro Second Amendment, uh, but I think at the same time the government and the media and the powers that be are seeing that, and they're like, oh no. We're mm-hmm. in trouble now, especially, you know, there's been this very coordinated, almost in sync attack against the Hawaiian shirt folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it all it all came out like at the exact same time that all of a sudden, you know, these these people in militias and that are like posting memes and stuff like that on on social media need to be stopped. So I think that the government and the powers that be in the media are seeing this rising tide in gun ownership and even seeing, you know, there are rappers and things that are coming out and saying like, Hey, you know, people of color should be embracing the second amendment because gun control is racist. And, you know, we need to protect ourselves too. I think that the government is going to see that and the leftist politicians are going to see that. And they're, they're probably going to push even harder after all of this is done. So hopefully there will be, enough people you know that's hopefully that's another six million voters now that are going to say wait a minute we can't be having these crazy laws hopefully Mm -hmm. yeah i agree it's kind of funny because with the whole COVID thing the government wants more control and 
from the last couple of months, it's definitely a backfire. Even people that are refusing to stay in their house or have their business closed. There's people that are like, Hey, it's my right to conduct my business. Who Mm -hmm. are you to say that I have to shut my business down? There's been all kinds of stuff. So I'm always happy to see that. I hate when people just act like sheep. So yes. (laughs) Polymer 80. Speaking of polymer 80, like we were just a few minutes ago. Good news for everyone who shoots USPSA. Just a few days ago, Palmer 80, the PFS9 pistol was just approved for competition. If you're not familiar with the PFS9, it's the equivalent of a Glock 17. So as far as the size and stuff, obviously the angle um, is a little bit different. In my opinion, it's more of a natural grip angle. So it's definitely ideal for competition shooting. So that's pretty cool. So if you guys want to get yours, head on over to Palmer80.com. Use the code GUNFUNNY and that gets you 15% off. And now it's time for some Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. CCI just introduced their Queen 22 and... This is actually really great for guns that are suppressed. It's actually, the bullet is polymer coated and it's obviously going to reduce a lot of that lead fouling inside a suppressor. They say by up to 60%. In addition to that, the polymer coating replaces the wax that is traditionally applied to the 22 long rifle bullet. And that wax protects the barrel of the gun for buildup of lead or copper. And it helps for the bullet to pass through that barrel but the wax does not completely cover the bullet. So metal and wax deposits build up and the gun, you know, it needs to be cleaned. But because of the clean 22 polymer coating, it encases the bullet completely and it does a much better job of protecting the bullet, but also from all that buildup. So I know that 22 suppressors can get really dirty. So this might be a really great alternative for those who don't always want to take the time to clean their suppressors every time they shoot it. Moving forward, Trigger Brew, amazing coffee, definitely tastes good. I would say typically you buy something because it's funny, but then the actual product doesn't taste good. But in this case, you're getting amazing coffee, but also it has really funny names, Boogaloo Blend, Illegal in California. Sorry, I just opened the link and saw that and got excited. (laughs) Yeah. What's the other one? Gourmet shit, which is my favorite. If you're going to drink coffee, why not support a 2A business? If you head on over to triggerbrew.com, use the code GUNFUNNY, and that will get you 20% off. Today's AF segment, definitely freaking weird. So Kansas man requests trial by combat to settle custody dispute. A Kansas man asked an Iowa court to approve a trial by combat against his ex-wife using (laughs) Japanese swords to resolve a custody dispute. Yeah. I literally, I had to open this article and I'm like, is this for real? And it's, and the guy, so you would think the guy, he looks pretty normal. He doesn't even look like he's, I don't know. He's 40 years old. His name is David Ostrom. And he said that his ex-wife Bridget had destroyed him legally. And it only made sense that they settle their custody battle by combat. He asked the Iowa district court to allow him 12 weeks to either make or find a samurai sword. I'm imagining, so he doesn't have any experience with any of this. So I'd imagine he's probably also not going to have the best luck making a samurai sword, but he has 12 weeks, you know, possibly to, to figure it out. Ostrom, in his defense, tried to make a case for the unusual request. 
is what he said. To this day, trial by combat has never been explicitly banned or restricted as a right in the United States, and the antiquated method has been used as recently as 1818 in the British court. He said he wanted to match the observed behavior he believes he has received from his ex-wife's attorney during the case. In response, the lawyer asked that the court deny the motion and requested Ostrom's visitation rights be suspended and that he receive a psychological evaluation. Ostrom, (laughs) who unsurprisingly has no experience in sword fighting, responded that trial by combat wasn't always won by death and wants to proceed with blunted weapons at least. I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. And it's just funny. He asked for permission and that he thinks, okay, it doesn't always end in death, but how could it, you're using these things. I mean, do you like tap out? Is it yeah, like a I have no idea. Gun? I have no idea. It's, it's, it's funny. You said that he looks, I mean, he does look pretty normal, but like he totally, so around here we have like these bootleg flea markets mm-hmm. where you know you you go and you can get you know like bootleg purses and like dvds and samurai swords and, and stuff like that <laughs> he totally is like the caricature of the folks that you see at those around oh, here i love it <laughs> when i read this and i clicked on the link i'm just imagining seeing somebody who's just maybe even older maybe losing their mind a little bit i mean that's what i like, expected he just yeah. looks like he's from new bedford yeah, he's and, just, I mean, you don't know what that is, but Massachusetts people would know. He's uh, from New Bedford. <laughs> yeah, I was just, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> but he, yeah, he just looks like some, I mean, 40. The older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, he just looks like some younger kid, you know? You know, 40, I mean, 40 hey, I, I, you know, I give him credit for, like, going the Game of Thrones route. That's pretty, <laughs> that takes <right>. guts. <laughs> no kidding. All right, guys, time for iTunes reviews. So we're all out of iTunes reviews again. So if you haven't left a review, please do so. Also, you get the opportunity to win a really cool patch. And who doesn't love patches, right? First review, Don Tuey, five stars, Pewview's in trouble. Pewview, who was a previous guest, had better watch his back. Tickles will surely hunt him down for bashing her on air like that. Hopefully the new executive order on social media censorship of conservatives will help the 2A community. Great content as always. Second is Mansfield Digger, five stars, informative show. Avon co-host operator Tickles are so cute. I love the show and the informative information. She has a voice that allows you to listen for hours. Thanks. I think I sound like a freaking, I don't know. I hate hearing my voice. (laughs) I think that's normal though. Uh, The base of the show is gun and safety with training. She has an insight, and if she doesn't know something, she will admit to it. Plus, try to get an answer from the smart industry type she brings in. Take a listen. You might be surprised. All right, so Nikki, out of those two, I want you to pick a winner to win a prize pack. Um, Let's see. I'll go with Don 2A, because I don't know what the drama is, but it seems like there is drama with someone named Tickles. Well, that's my dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I'm pretty sure he, like, bashed Tickles on air, and I was, well. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, that was was stupid, because they call her Operator Tickles, and That is so cute. Yeah, and on, on Instagram, she's tech underscore Tickles, tactical, so. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah, he he better watch out. Well, then, yes, definitely pick the person who was defending the dog. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. All right, now it's time to wrap up. So, guys, you can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to everything. 
I have affiliate links as well. Just click on affiliate. And if you're shopping at, I don't know, Brownells, Rainier Arms, Palmetto State Armory, any of those places, and you're already buying something, if you use my link, I will get a percentage of the sales. So that's a really great way to support the show. Otherwise, if you want to consider becoming a Patreon, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. As a patron, you get access to the patron only Facebook group, which is a lot of fun and often just inappropriate. And it's just amazing. I have so much fun in that group. Blown Deadline is giving away a $300 gift certificate each month to a lucky Patreon. And $5 and up Patreons get a Patreon only patch after three months. So this patch is never going to be for sale. So it's for Patreons only. I also wanted to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, and Daniel Treadwell. King of the Patrons is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. These are some of Operator Tickle's warm-up exercises. <sighs> And again, my dog, you know. All right. (laughs) Nikki, I wanted to just take a a second and thank you once again for spending so much time with me. The show definitely kind of went over, but everything that you had to say was just spot on. And you just, you speak really well. You're extremely knowledgeable about 2A topics and stuff and definitely keep up the good work. I think that you're definitely, you're definitely an asset to the gun community. Can you just remind people one more time where they can find you on the interwebs? Yes. So, so many places. So all of my videos are on YouTube and they are mirrored on BitChute Library. That's L-B-R-Y. It's a new like anti-censorship platform and GunStreamer. And then the gun-related videos go up on Full30. And then I am also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I have accounts on Minds and Parlor and never really use them because I never figured out the system. I think that's everything. Awesome. I think that's it. <laughs> I don't even know how you keep track of that. I'm yeah, on I don't. Facebook and Instagram and yeah, Twitter, I couldn't figure that out. So, you know, we had to do away with it. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Can't you just do a Google search nowadays? <laughs> my answer but all right awesome well thank you again and on that note we're out of here want to send feedback tell us about a company or anything else go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact